everyone, and welcome to Scott Swahey's Best Books podcast for 2021. And I'm joined once again by Publishing Scotland's Vicky Riley. Hello, Vicky. Hello. <laughs> Armed with glass, me too. Lovely to yes, see you. Yes, prepared to speak about the wonders of Scottish books. <laughs> well, it's been quite a year. Um, let's start with a kind of overall how the year was for you, because I do think it was a, a bit of a special one. I know, I know what you mean, and it's, and because it's been such a huge year, when I was sort of thinking back to the whole year, and even thinking back to the start of the year, it feels like the year's been much longer, and I don't know if that's to do with, like, lockdown and stuff like that, but just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, that was that year, this, that was this year too, so yeah, there's been tons, tons of new of releases to, that um, have made a big impact. No, absolutely. And, you know, we're, we're going to uh, split them down into kind of things that we talk about. But we can say that there was, um, you know, the reemergence or the reappearance of some of the Scottish literary heavyweights, as you said, to, to who published books. But there was also some amazing um, first or even second novels and, and books that were uh, published this year. And new voices, um, all, all of those things. I think it's been uh, really rather special. So oh, I hope that, well, so, so, <laughs> I know you just think it's so, it was such a big year that you that you're just like nothing's going to not, we can't top it next again year. But then I've started to get in 2022 books, and you're just like, oh no, that's just going to be as full on as well. <laughs> that's right, and we will at the end of this we will uh, chat about what's coming in in 2022 because it is really quite exciting. Well, let's start with kind of trends for this year. Was there anything you noted that was happening um, in Scottish books? Um, well, I, I do, yes, yes. Um, I don't know if you've put this down, but like one of the things that I've noticed is historical fiction got, um, was, was quite prominent, but not in an obvious way right. in Scottish fiction. And like that so many books were 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 historical fiction but the the way people probably think about historical fiction um doesn't necessarily mean that that's what the historical fiction books were like but so oh. but, <laughs> which ones do you have in mind give us a couple we'll of examples. elaborate well i'll elaborate yes. <laughs> so you know when you, when you normally think of historical fiction you think of sort of quite grand narratives with like a sort of grand quite historical voice as well whereas I think historical fiction this year was really dominant but the voices and the styles and the tones and the and the periods were were just so rich and varied that you probably wouldn't think that so many of the books this year were historical fiction so you know I did I've read like sort of more like your classic kind of historical fiction books like maybe like Sarah Sheridan's The Fear Botanist or I'm reading um Rose Nicholson by Andrew Gregg. Oh, right, I've, got, um, I've right got that as well, looking forward to that. But then you've got stuff like, you know, like probably you wouldn't think to yourself, Luckenbooth's a historical novel, but it actually, it really is. Kitchenly 434's a historical novel. Rizzio by Denise Mina is a historical novel. Case Study by Graham Breen Craig Burnett is a historical novel. It looked like everybody was talking about the past in lots of different genres and doing it in such a variety of ways that we probably not thought, oh my God, look at all these historical fiction books coming out this year. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. Actually, I hadn't thought about it that way. Um, 
But yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, James Robertson's News of the Dead is another one that's uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I guess, I mean, it, there's parts of it set in the present day, but also you've got these, it jumps back twice uh, to, to the past and uh, is a very, as always with James Robertson, a very interesting way of kind of looking at Scotland and Scotland's past in particular. And the, the, the language as well in all of these is, is, is really varied too. So you, like there's there's different sort of, like there's sort of high, well, or not high literary historical style where you might incorporate some of the old language, but then, you know, people like Jenny Fagan or Denise Mina use their books and the language and the way these, the, the, the tone of the narrative voice was really different to, mm -hmm. to how you would normally um think of how historical fiction is is written yeah so it's, it's it's just been really really interesting to i mean even david keenan's monument maker yeah is a little bit like a historical fiction novels with the period and uh oh god when what, what the the periods cartoon that's it yes um like the oh, cartoon section that they go as well i mean there are other yeah maybe not as oh yeah in the second world war yeah. section as well so yeah but you would you wouldn't that that the historicalness of them is the one thing that ties them all together but the voices are so different and the way they've tackled history and thought about history is so different so yeah that's what i've noticed this this year is that that history and the way that we present it has has been quite dominant but at the same time really rich and varied i'm sure we'll talk about luck and booth a bit more as we go on but i that's interesting to think about because there's not just one voice there there's all sorts oh. of different voices going different periods of the uh, 20th century so the the language is hugely important to kind of make those distinctive voices which Jenny Fagan manages to do language is something I wanted to talk about because I thought one of the trends or trends is a terrible term one of the things this well, year yeah. was we had a <laughs> uh, um, books being written in a kind of urban Scots, perhaps more oh, than right, before. Okay. We've got Eli Percy's Duck Feet, which, you know, yep. a tremendous book, which has got an incredible kind of, it's set in Renfrew and Paisley and, and it really captures the kind of language of the school, not just the time, but the place as well. And then also Emma Gray's Be Good to Your Mammy, you know, which again is written in wonderful, rich Scots um, book. And also Colin Burnett's Kind of uh -huh, leaf, yeah. it's a working class state of mind where he really mm -hmm. does well. I mean, you're uh, it's your part of the world, but I think he really manages to capture the kind of world on the street and the way people talk to each other often in the places that he writes about. Um, and that was something that was really interesting to come through because you mentioned the kind of older Scots that send perhaps to James Robertson or in other historical novels, but this kind of urban Scots is still rare enough to make note of, I think. Mm. Oh yeah, and funnily enough, like I don't think that this is a trend overall, but a trend for me in my reading is that I felt like I read a lot more books about Edinburgh <laughs> this year, yeah. and uh, and um, and so that that's just been my own personal trend. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you always like to read about the place that you that you're from, so to to see how other people see it. <laughs> it's often underrated, I think. You know, right? Uh, reading about your own city or your own town or whatever it might be. Um, and you had some great books in uh, Edinburgh, Bitter Hall by Helen McClory being another one. As yes, well. yes, yes. And um, 
Well, one of my favourites was by T.L. Huchu, um, uh, The Library of the Dead, which is the first in a series, right. which was a mixture. It's like, it was like fu it's futuristic sci-fi, but it has a heavy historical element to it as well, because it totally harks back to maybe like, like the sort of the medical um, historical crime fiction of um, uh, Ambrose Parry or, or Kate, Kate Wells, just because there's a sort of gothic, there's a definite gothic undertone to it all as well. So yeah, it's just, and 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 also the Edinburgh that, that he writes in it is not the places like Colin Burnett, like he writes about Leith, which maybe is a little bit more iconic now, Yeah. but the places that T.L. Hutcher writes about is like, the west side of Edinburgh, which has definitely not had a lot of books written about it, because it's such an unromantic, un like sort of unremarked upon part of Edinburgh, just because you know it doesn't fall into the the sort of easy characterizations of Edinburgh. It's just like it's there's a sort of suburban feel to to to, to um, West Edinburgh, and he sort of captures that really really well, and and but at the same time makes it a whole sort of monstrous dystopian place as well that's interesting i think uh suburban scotland is still something that hasn't been written about enough so that yeah is, uh, that's interesting yeah. well let's move on to um these debuts because there were some really interesting ones which came out and that includes um well this is my uh proof copy so it's got not got the lovely picture on it but it's <laughs> Uh, it's Charlie Roy's The Broken Pain, uh, which is a fantastic uh, novel, again, about, there was a lot of writing about family uh, this uh, year as well, a lot of books, including some of the ones we talked about, Duck Feet and uh, um, Emma Gray's book, but a lot about a uh, family and the secrets and lies of family, and few did it as well as Charlie Roy did. Um, I wish I had my because I've got a copy in the office and the hardback is a really lovely thing. Yeah, it's yeah. got like, you know, the, the nice ribbon uh, bookmark in it. And it's just, it's a really chunky quality piece of, of book. <laughs> well, I've got a couple more debuts to, to, to mention, but uh, do you have any that, you, you, that stood out for you? Weirdly, like... Um, I, just, I feel like we're we're still living in a shuggy bane world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if we talked about that much last year. Maybe we did, but yes, yeah, I we did. Yeah. <laughs> but just, I mean, the paperback was released this year, and you know, he, he was he's still. I think because this was the year that he was allowed to travel to to Scotland. <laughs> Um, uh, then you know he's been around, so it it still kind of feels like. Um, we're, we're, we're still in the midst of, of Shuggy Bane. And, and, you know, like Eli Percy's book as well, that kind of feels like a similar world. Yeah. Um, done differently, but a, but a similar world. Um, and Colin Burnett's as well, the debut. I was looking at, I was remembering the, the shortlist and all, all, although Eli's is the only debut, every single one of those books that, that was in the shortlist. Sorry, I hate to say this. It has had a novel out before. Of course, yeah, I completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Plus jewels. I know, I know, I know that. I don't you know. That. I thought you, I thought you knew you that. I, I, I didn't want you to dig yourself any further. I've got a lockdown brain completely. <laughs> 
which is a very good novel as well, I have to say. But yes, you're right. <laughs> well, we'll talk about the Saltire Awards a bit more uh, okay. later. But, but while we're talking about Shuggy Bain, I mean, it kind of shows you what winning or even being nominated for one of the really big prizes can do, doesn't it? Yeah. And it's strange because you know, his new one's just about to come out next year, like quite early on in the year. And so, and it's kind of, it's like um, it's like the, when the Beatles released with the Beatles when Please Please Me was still at number one. <laughs> just mentioning the Beatles, how long are we in? How long are we in? Well, uh, nah, it's not bad, Ricky, it's not bad. Sorry, I couldn't help it. <laughs> Fair enough. Another one I wanted to talk about, and not just because uh, my quote's on the cover. Oh, yes. George Patterson's The Girl, The Crow, The Writer. And the fighter, which um, we were both at the the launch. What a great launch it was! I, I know. I wish all launches were as uh, as was as was as great as that because it was just. Yeah. It's good to have all kinds of different entertainment, yeah. <laughs> and I've not danced music, like that for a long time. <laughs> and DJs, and it was uh, yeah. I mean, it was fantastic. But it's a great book. I think it's a really interesting first novel. It's partly because it's not set in Scotland to get anything to do with Scotland. It's a real great American novel that he's written, which was a surprise to me. I mean, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I probably wasn't expecting anything. It's his debut, but um, it was an, it's, it's a really, if you love your American fiction, then this is a, a great book. And if you just love your fiction, it's a great book. And I can't wait to see what George does next. I'm not sure he's because... the publisher, but yeah. <laughs> Because normally, you know, there's a sort of, a, there's a, a bit of a thing where, you know, when you write your first novel, you're kind of writing about yourself a lot. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, I mean, he really, he went as far away from himself as possible, you know, um, not only from where he, where he lives, where he grew up, but like, his book is international, it's about people and a time that, you know, he, he wasn't there and yeah. You know, it was about Henry Miller and Sonny Liston. <laughs> it's, another, it's another historical novel, isn't it, really? That's true, yeah, yeah. Now that you say that, it totally is. <laughs> See, I, I didn't just make these things up. <laughs> oh, exactly, exactly. Another debut, but from someone who is well-kent in Scottish literary circles, I think it is the debut. Now, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but Harry Josephine Giles' um, Deep Veal Arcadia debut novel. Uh, first novel, yeah, definitely, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Um, it's well, it's also poetry as well as you you might expect, and it's uh, written in uh, the Orkney dialect, and it's oh, it's an astonishing book. It's sci-fi as well. So are you ticking off the boxes here? Orkney dialect, poetry, <laughs> sci-fi. I mean, it's some undertaking. Um, the playing with language in that book is something that was so lovely to see as well, because even in the the English <laughs> translation, yeah. because so many times when you talk about Scots, even just like my kind of Scots, which is not Orcadian Scots, but um, when you try, you, it's about getting the essence of yeah. what the word means, when you talk about like sort of Scots words, and um, they do that so well in uh, Deep Real, Real Arcadia, because the sort of, the translation is not it feels exact in its non-wordiness, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. And I have to say um, that I kind of had to restart this about three times because, I, I, first of all, I thought this is a direct translation, which it really isn't. 
And then I thought, well, I have to read one and then the other. And then I kind of started reading the Orkney. I thought, no, I think I can get through this. And then you realize that what's in the, the so-called translation is actually lots of um, possible translations of single words, because as we know, there's plenty of words in Scots that don't translate directly you know, into English. So, um, and that's kind of runs right through it. It's an incredible undertaking. Um, yeah. Shows like how how creatively you can think about language as well Very because um, for it to be a literal translation is still a, a still a creative act yeah but the translation in that one is is about the essence of the word and making new words up to to portray that essence yeah it was really it was really great to read i, I was just like why hasn't this been done before <laughs> no, no absolutely but um, the perfect person to do it, definitely. Um, and it takes us neatly onto poetry itself. How was your year in poetry? Have you, did you, I didn't, I have to admit, I didn't read a lot of poetry uh, this year. No, I'm um, the same, I'm the same. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, I mostly get my poetry on the stage rather than the page, I will say. Very well put. <laughs> but that's, that's not that I don't appreciate. Um, poetry on the page as well, but um, yeah, that's that's mostly where I where I uh, pick up my poetry. <laughs> and there's been a lot of brilliant performances that I've seen this year yeah. as well. Yeah, very much. Um, it was one of the nice things about being able to get out again. It was great to go and see gigs, and mm -hmm. it was great to be back at book events. But to see spoken word performance again uh, was just very exciting. And again, both of us went to Voodoo Days. Oh yeah, uh, that was a great launch too. Even what and Jason Gollop. Um, Jason's um, sections of the book are prose, uh, but uh, Stephen Watts uh, are fantastic. It's fantastic poetry once again, all about music. Um, highly recommend it. And it is something which I kind of agree with you. I I like to go and see spoken word perhaps rather than sit down with a, a book of poetry, at least over the last few years anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. But uh, to see it, performed is always a joy. Yeah, totally. And um, in Edinburgh, they, they started a whole new poetry festival here um, uh, run by Jenny Niven and Kevin Williamson called Push the Boat Out, which was at Summer Hall in November, I think. Dates and times are a bit fuzzy with yeah. me this year, I have to say. <laughs> um, and it was such a good weekend to go to. I think it was, I think other than the book festival in August, it was one of the first times that I'd been properly at sort of book book events again. And it was it was brilliant to go. And again, the 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 vibe of it was was so lovely. It was such a even though there was lots of different events happening all over Summer Hall, there you felt like um there was a sort of commonality and togetherness with 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 all the events going on, there was, I think maybe it is because we're just so pleased to be out. <laughs> well, that's definitely so, part of it. Yeah. So there was just, I don't know, in all the events that I went to, there was just such a, such a welcoming feel. It was, and it felt, even though there was folk on stage and we were down below, and even though like the audience had masks on, it felt really intimate and it felt, like a, it, it properly did feel like a conversation in a way that yeah. some sometimes it doesn't feel like that when you're when you're at book events. It was really lovely, so I hope that that carries on. I hope push the boat out is a, is going to become 
uh, a regular fixture because it was a it was a really really great great event. Sounds it absolutely. And while we're talking about um, Voodoo Days, I wanted to give a mention for Speculative Books because they released yeah. really interesting um, collections. One by Josephine Sillers, yes, yeah. and another by um, Henry Bell, The Last Lochin, uh, both of which are excellent um, small collections. A I can recommend to everyone, but they are, they seem to be doing some really, really interesting things. In fact, they also did, we'll talk about him in, later on. All oh, right, yeah, of course. <laughs> as well, which came out right at the beginning of the year. Um, it's just like the small presses are kicking out of the park this, this yeah, year. Absolutely. Yeah, I and mean, we, small, we Yeah, novella, the novella as a form has really made a kind of comeback as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely, and um, so we've we've already sort of touched upon Eli Percy and Monstrous Press is a tiny wee, mm. tiny wee publisher. Speculative Books are, are doing really well. Stuart Rhubarb is another publisher that does really gorgeous looking um, poetry pamphlets. Yeah, it's it's just um four oh four's Inklings books as well. Um, so like it's 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 just been really nice to see um, smaller publishers doing different things and offering books in a different way no, to people. We'll, we'll talk about publishers next, I think. But before we move on to that, I just wanted to mention Cat Hepburn's dating and other hobbies, partly because, yeah. sadly, um, <coughs> excuse me, partly because, um, oh gosh, I've now totally slipped my mind. What Sonic did you Youth. Son that's it, Sonic Youth <laughs> are no more. That's what a coughing thing. Yeah. Sonic Youth are no more, which is a real shame, but I know, I know um, yeah. both Kevin and, and, and Kat are, are doing stuff. And this was her latest collection, which is hilarious in places and really moving in others. And um, Kat was a podcast guest uh, on Scotch yeah. Radio, which was a really interesting chat. Um, I know, she's a brilliant, brilliant performer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. More for the performers. Well, <laughs> you mentioned... Uh, publishers there and it was a really interesting year I think for publishing how did you feel you're at the hub of it you know you're at the center of it <laughs> well I mean it's been a we can't lie that it's not been a difficult couple of years yeah but um at the same time it's been great to see how everybody's reacted to that and and how everybody has pivoted and adapted in loads of different ways just to 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 do the best that they can throughout this sort of strange period and you know I, I don't know if you know this but um we've we've ha we've never had as many publishing members as wow. we do at the moment because all throughout the last two years so many um micro presses have started up and, and, and off, are offering different things to different audiences. And so it's really heartening to see that, um, that, that no, but people are, haven't been cautious <laughs> in a time when, we have, when we've had to be cautious in the world outside, folk have really not been cautious about the projects that they take on and the creativity that, they're, that, they're, that, they, that they want to get involved in. So it's, it's great. I, I, I kind of get enough of it really. Like, Sometimes we're just like another new member because <laughs> you kind of feel like, I don't know, you kind of feel like you must know all the sort of secret up and coming things just because, you, you know, you, you're in that sphere. So you pay attention to what's happening. But things are popping up from all over Scotland in different places. And you're just like, 
well, there you go. <laughs> that's one of the interesting things is they are popping up from all over Scotland. You know, mm -hmm. instead of having this dominated by the central belt, there are places, you know, a, a, all over the shop. And maybe that's because you can do that now. New yeah, yeah. technology I mean, allows tech you to do those things. Yeah, uh-huh. That's that's absolutely right. And the, the other great thing is that um we all look out for each other as well. You know, we've all like it's lovely to see how our membership gives each other advice and speaks to everybody that's sort of in the in the same boat as them. And it's yeah, it's it's been lovely to see. It's really yeah. interesting. I was talking to someone recently who's in another area of the arts in Scotland. I wouldn't say who or what. But, uh, and they were saying about the kind of conflicts and, you know, infighting and all that. I said, you know, it seems to me that Scottish publishing, Scottish writing, who maybe had some of that in the past, but it does, it does seem that everyone thinks we're in the same boat. How can we help each other? How can we support each other? And it's just the right way to do it, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like any anything, yeah, there'll, there'll be personality clashes and stuff like that. But I know that like that's unimportant because in the in the main like that 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 as I say that's like personal things rather than something signifying the sector as a whole. Yeah. So it, it, yeah, it's, it's it's a really cooperative, friendly place. Yeah, I, I I'm really enjoying it. And there has been some really interesting kind of developments. I think you spoke about four or four ink and doing their inklings. I've got three of them here. I've got loads of them, which is a great. Um, so I know. Again, it's like what a, what an obvious idea. <laughs> it just it just shows you, like you know, the simplest ideas are often the most effective ones. Yeah, and, um, and I get a new one every month or so, and it's just an absolute pleasure to have it drop through the door. And uh, yeah, they're, <laughs> and they're always interesting. It's been a great thing. And you mentioned yeah, and, uh, monstrous regiment. I mean, this. It's perhaps the breakthrough now duck feet, I should say, for people listening and not watching the thing. Uh, Eli Percy's <laughs> duck feet. It's perhaps the breakout um, novel of the year and uh, and one of the best. And for a small press like Monstrous Regiment to kind of yeah. do it, it's fantastic. I know. I mean, they've done great books previous to Duck Feet as well. Yes. But um, I think this this is definitely the one that's broke them into the mainstream book trade's minds. Yeah. You know, because it's hard. It's, it can be really hard for small press to get taken seriously by the mainstream trade. You know, like the book bookshop chains and yeah. and you know and, and all that kind of stuff. It can be really hard to say you can trust our publishing program and what we're going to do. And and I think that's definitely happened for Monstrous Regiment with Duck Feet. Yeah. I mean, it just yeah, it's just it's been flying off the the, the shelves all year, and <laughs> the amount of times it's like, oh, we've sold out again. <laughs> We're going to have to do another reprint. So yeah, it's just brilliant. It's brilliant to see. I mean, and I, I remember when Monstrous Regiment were in telling us about it, uh -huh. and uh, when they were when they first joined publishing Scotland because they joined a little bit before um, Duck Feet came out, and then uh, I, re I remember thinking, oh, that's going to be a that's going to be a really interesting book, and. <laughs> it's, it's great to see when when the, when all the good work comes together to create such a success. No, absolutely right. And the, the other um, new publishers to me, you probably know them, but one was Taproot. Who, oh uh, yeah, mm -hmm. in Perth, is that right? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple there's a couple of new publishers in Perth. Um, a few, yeah. 
but uh, Taproot aren't members yet. <laughs> oh, well, if you're listening to this, Taproot. Because when I know, they, but they I have spoken to them. Films, I have spoken to them. The other side they, they... of uh, Stone, which is a, a beautiful... Well, I, it's, a, it's a cracking book, but it's also such a lovely book. You know, such a, yeah. a really beautifully done book. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But yeah. that was nice to see that, that small publishers were publishing really lovely books as well, which, you know, has not always been the case. Yeah, that's that the, the publishing, um, the, the production values, sorry, have really shot up like gorgeous hardbacks and, and as I say, like little bookmark things and all that kind of stuff, you know, like people are really put because you have to, you know, that's yeah. just that's just one of the things that's particularly been the case since like ebooks and all that kind of thing. It's like, well, if you're if you're just interested in the story, why would you? Why would you not just download an ebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you want, if you want something to that that's beautiful to have as well as to read, then you've got to pay attention to your production values, and and the small presses are really, are really um, paying attention to that. Well, another example which we mentioned already is the crow, the yeah, right, or the fighter, um, into books, which is part of Into Creative, Stephen Harden's yeah. Empire, um. But another beautiful object and really, you know, something that you really want to have in the hardback edition. No, I mean, that book could have been done on the much cheaper on the cheap. <laughs> but it, like the just just the, the, the thought that's been put into it is just it's really, really, it's really nice. Yeah. There's and, no way and charcoal press as well. No way. What was that? Sorry. There's no way Stephen would have done that. He, he, if he wants to do something, he will do it to the, the highest yeah. possible. Yes, yeah. charcoal. Now they're an interesting press. Oh, they they just keep going from strength to strength, and they're 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 getting bigger and bigger and better and better the whole the whole time. And I think it's interesting that since the salt hires introduced the book cover. Um, award that they've won it both times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is very interesting and 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 uh, should be noted absolutely. Yeah, and they, they've got a signature style. You you just know what a charcoal press book is even before you 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 pick it up. You just they've got a distinctive look and they've got a distinctive feel, and they because you and you know that the story inside is going to be quality too. It's, yeah, the, I, I love charcoal press. I, I think more, more power to them. No, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely right. And they're branching out into English language. Well, they're branching out into English as the first language books next year as well. All connected with translation as the theme. So it's not like they're just printing any old English language thing. The, the, the theme is still translation, but things that, that don't have to be translated into English in 2022, which it's going to be really interesting to see because it includes fiction as well as, as, uh, as non-fiction, which is, yeah, yeah. One of the things I noted is some of the Scottish books, notable Scottish books that have been published by publishers outside of Scotland. Um, White Rabbit, for instance. White Rabbit. Oh, yeah. yeah you know, they should have an office in Scotland. They kind of yeah, feel yeah. like honorary Scots. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, they did um, Kitchenley 434, Monument Maker David Keenan, also the Bobby Gillespie um, biography, uh, autobiography, which I might talk about later. Um, and yeah, and, and just the stuff they released is just fantastic. It's so up my street. They did a Michael totally. Bracewell short book, which I loved. And sometimes you think that they're, they're just publishing for me, which is great. 
I know what you mean. That's a, that's all. <laughs> the Lenny, the new Lenny K book that's just come out. I, I need to get a copy of that because I've already downloaded the the playlist that they made for, for it, which is great. And so I'm, I, I'm totally yeah going to wait to. I have to see. I'm at the time of the year where I can't buy anything new until after Christmas, just to be on the safe side. <laughs> yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, <laughs> They also did the Dylan Jones book, which, uh, although it's not Scottish, I absolutely loved. So yeah, White Rabbit, just fantastic. Another one, and you talk about books that have got an identity, and have I got them to hand? I hope I do, maybe I don't. Um, it's Guts Publishing, who are based in London. Oh, right, uh-huh. But who did, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, they, 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 they've, um, they've had a, a, a raft of, of Scottish authors Memoirs as well. well, in particular, and we'll talk about memoirs <laughs> and the non-fiction in a second. But you know, Eden Martin's Euphoric Recall, um, Fishtown, John Gerard Fagan, and one which I haven't read, but it's on my to-read pile is Gillian Halkett's Blade in the Shadow. But again, you can see that they've really yeah, yeah. got a theme in how they look, and they're really interesting books. I mean, Aidan's in particular is an astonishing piece of honest yeah. uh, writing. Um but before you know, we... I would also I would oh. also include Picador in yep. a, as a as a London publisher that should have some sort of Scottish office too because <laughs> they like obviously they've got Chuggy Bain and, and Douglas Stewart but they've got Jackie Kay as well. Yep. yep. Um, who else have they got? They've got more. I think did Picador not do um, Deep Wheel Arcadia as well? I think they did. I think you're right. In fact, I'm sure. Picador poetry. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. So, Don Patterson, if it, um, yeah. I mean, uh, they have got a history uh, of of of, uh, of publishing a lot of Scottish writers. But that was really interesting to me. That even I mean, Guts seems to be a really interesting small publisher that's really taken a chance in publishing some of these unknown or little known uh, writers, which I think is interesting. Yeah, uh, and you, uh huh. No, no, you carry on. Well, I, feel, I just realised I was going to talk about a 2022 book, but uh, you know, that'll come. <laughs> I feel uh, once we're talking about Scottish publishing, we should talk about Brian Hamill and The Common Breath. Um, sadly, Brian passed away uh, this year, and um, just when The Common Breath were doing some amazing things, releasing, you know, works of Tom Leonard and various, um, you know, uh, forgotten texts and also putting together um, the middle of a sentence, this incredible uh, anthology of prose uh, that happened. And yeah, just really to say how missed um, Brian Hamill was a great publisher, but a lovely, lovely man and is much, much missed, I think. I know it's a shame that the, was it Voices in the Dark? Is that, that was the, the, the yeah. big project that they were working on. Yeah, it's really, um, it's it's really, really sad that that never got to come into fruition because again, that was going to shine a light on a lot of of new voices and yeah, it's yeah. it's a it's a shame. It absolutely is, and and Brian is much much missed. Um, well, I want to talk about memoirs actually, since we mentioned guts publishing, and you've got uh, Aidan Martin's book, John Gerard Fagan, Gillian Halkett, um. Was there any kind of memoirs or, or non-fiction that really caught your eye this year? Well, I've already brought it up. Oh. <laughs> See, this, but it's, it doesn't feel like a memoir. That's Tell us what thing. it is, Vicky. Tell us what it is. People are listening to <laughs> oh, this. Oh, right. Oh, yes. Hello, <laughs> listeners. 
this book is um, Jackie Kay's book on Bessie Smith. Um, which it is a re-release. It was first released in the nineties or the early two thousands, I think, and it's been it's been sort of updated and things. And and even though it tells you a lot about Bessie Smith, it doesn't feel like a memoir or a biography in 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 the usual sense because a lot of it is done creatively. There's just a lot. There's a lot of it feels like sort of fictional techniques that are that are also in it as well. Like she puts herself in Bessie Smith's mind and sort of narrates things from her point of view in, in different areas as well. And it was just, it was, it was just brilliant to read. I was so right in the mood for it at the time that it came out as well. Cause, um, cause I've, I've also been reading a book this year called Shebop, which is about the history of women in music. Oh, yes. And I've been reading it really, really slowly because I've been listening to the music at the same time as reading it. So I'm only on chapter two, I still think, because I read the chapter and then listen to, to the back catalogues of every single person that's mentioned in it. So I have really only done like the blues and jazz section and the sort of 60s girl groups and soul section. And um, I'd just read the, the blues and jazz um, chapter and then read this. So I, I felt like I was getting an even more of a flavour of Bessie Smith and listening to her is is yeah. excellent and I found all these brilliant videos of her on YouTube as well and the event that Jackie Kay did in uh, the book festival was one of my favorites as well what I will admit I even had a wee tear at the end just because oh she she brought her friend I can't oh that's terrible I've forgotten her name but um she was singing Bessie Smith songs as well and she oh she was magnificent absolutely magnificent so another memoir I wanted to mention was Soraya Tay's Unspoken, which came out uh, All right. living with mental illness. Um, I, I know Soraya, but we met at uh, university at the same time. And uh, it's an astonishing, again, incredibly honest book about her own problems uh, with uh, mental health, um, including a, a psychotic event, where, which meant she was uh, given ECT therapy, which is something I have to say I didn't know we still did. But um, yeah. it's a, it's a, she's a wonderful writer. Um, you might know her previous books, The Mouse Deer Kingdom and, and The Little Hut of Leaping Fishes, which were both incredible novels. But uh, yeah, this is, um, uh, it gives you a real insight into, because um, everyone's relationship with mental illness is different. And this gives you a real yeah. insight into hers and, um, and again, at the heart of it is this relationship, a really difficult relationship with family that comes through um, uh, and also being taken out of place and, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's very, very good. I do recommend it. Um, aside from your um, memoir, is there any others that you wanted to mention? Do you know, I've not read as much nonfiction this year as I normally do. Um, so... Um, just I'm thinking about in themes really like obviously nature writing nature writing stroke memoir is as has been big this year has, isn't it? Um, nature writing actually maybe to do with people getting wanting to get out or whatever but that has been a big thing over lockdown I think um, yeah and do, I, but it's, but the nature writing is so much more personal as, as well it's not really just maybe sort of old school nature writing where they talk about you know, nature in a more um, objective way. That well, a lot of the nature writing now is much more subjective and about 
the author's relationship with the places that they're, they're talking about. Um, so there was like, you know, the small bodies of water, which was the first winner of the Nan Shepherd prize um, that Canongate run. So it'll be good to see what um, wins the, ne uh, the prize next year. Um, and the other sort of theme that's that's kind of felt a little bit dominant um, to me this year is historical. It's like about, you know, empire and coming to terms with empire and talking about the realities of, of empire and saying that we need a conversation about the, the, the wholeness of the story of empire, not just the, the flag waving hurrah stuff. So I, like, uh, I listened to Satnam Sangira's um, Empire Land on audio and I watched the, the TV show on Channel 4 as well. And um, Alex Renton was on the TV show and he did a book as well about his own family's history with, with slavery. And so, I, yeah, and EUP did a, did a book about, um, has, has just released a book about yeah. slavery in the Highlands. And so I think we're probably going to see, and good as well, because I don't I don't actually understand what the controversy is in wanting to know the whole picture of something, you know, like, okay. I, I, it, seems, it seems daft to me that you should say, those are not subjects that, that, are, that you can talk about. Why wouldn't you want to know more? I mean, well, that's how I view anything to do with, with history is why, why wouldn't you want to see it from all different perspectives? No, exactly. So, and that's yeah. beginning to happen a lot more, which is, uh, which is great. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's it's sad to have seen, particularly um, Satnam Sangira um, in the TV show. He was saying how not all the reaction from his book has been great, and oh, it just yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't understand. <laughs> that, that unfortunately, as we know, that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, but the yeah. Yeah. But there's also um, in other uh, non-fiction, there's been a lot of big biographies, big autobiographies this year as well. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's one of them. <laughs> Pat Nevin, the accidental footballer. Now, you don't get much, and Pat's a, a slight fellow, but you don't get much bigger than Pat Nevin. Anyway, yes, you were saying, so who would <laughs> He's you a slight fellow. <laughs> but like, um, Billy Connolly, Yep. Like his, like he's just taken over the world with his uh, autobiography, which I'm going to get. I'm going to download on on audiobook and listen to it rather than read it. But um, yeah, Brian Cox and Alan Cumming and Bobby Gillespie, as you said er earlier on. Bobby's. So this again was White Rabbit book and was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I have to say, has you would never think that this man here, Bobby Gillespie, who, as we know, is no stranger to uh, hallucinogens, shall we say that, or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, his memory of his early life in particular is astonishing. I mean, yeah, I've only read the first bit, but um, I really want to, to read the whole thing because, because the, I, I read up to uh, Punk. So I read like his, his childhood bit. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. the best bit of the book. I do think his childhood has school years, his early years in bands before joining the Jesus and Mary chain. So and the whole book's interesting, but that is the really fascinating because it's an incredible picture of late 60s and 70s uh, Glasgow, um, which a few other, a couple of other books do as well. 
But I just wanted to say, for Pat Nevins, the accidental footballer, is a memoir for people who maybe don't like football. It's a really interesting. <laughs> um, I'm actually and grew up very kind of close to each other. Yeah, they're, 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 they both sort of, yeah, they both have a sort of similar, both the childhood elements of it are are, are, are really quite similar. And, and the fact that they just, they grew up in a time where violence was normal. <laughs> and uh, you, the way you had to negotiate it. Music references in here, like the time he meets yeah. Morrissey and all that kind of stuff. It's... Uh, <laughs> So it's well uh, worth a read. But those, I mean, I'd I, there's lots of great memoirs. I probably will read the Billy Connolly one, even though I think I've got a feeling I might have heard most of the, the stories, you know, over the years elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there will be. I think will be very interesting. And, uh, who, sorry, I missed, I missed who you said there. Brian Cox, the actor. Oh, right, yes, I have. Will be uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, he, he, it's interesting because, you know, Particularly, you just you think that folk are, are a little bit more savvy and a little bit more politic about what they say in books and things now. Brian Cox doesn't seem to give a shit about that. <laughs> still, in my opinion, the best Hannibal Lecter. There you are. There's um, a controversial. Uh, I don't think it's that controversial. I, I know other people that feel the same. <laughs> uh, so let's move into crime since we're talking about Hannibal Lecter. Um, there's a terrible segue, but <laughs> as always, I always feel that we could probably do a separate podcast on crime fiction, Scottish crime fiction, because yet again, there's just been so much and so many brilliant um, books uh, published this year. Um, well, I've got a whole pile of them here that I'm going to uh, talk about. But first, the latest Alan Parks, The April Dead. The year is not complete without the latest Alan Parks coming out. It's got to that stage. <laughs> It's like the first cuckoo of uh, spring, you know, then the Alan Parks comes out and they're just great. They, they're just... Yeah. They're Though I, th I, think is the, the, I think this year's one's going to come out a little later because we're getting into late spring now. So, <laughs> yeah. so that it won't... Because usually they come out in sort of January, February time, but I think, well, obviously the next one's going to be out in, in May. <laughs> so do you have any crime before I go on to my big pile of books here? Do you have any crime that you want to discuss? Uh, well, my favourite crime book this year, and again, it's a bit, of, it's more left field, really, and I've, uh, I've mentioned it briefly already, but it's Denise Mina's Rizzio, um, yeah. because, it, I mean, it is a crime that happened, it's about horrific murder. <laughs> oh, man, he doesn't stint, does she, on the kind of uh, violence <laughs> and claret, as they say. It's, oh, my God. It's a fun an utterly fabulous book. Now it's the start. It's the first in a series of that Polygon are doing, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're, it's called Darklands. Darklands. That's that's what it's called. And um, next year they're bringing out two yeah. with uh, Jenny Fagan, Hex, which is about witches, um, and Alan Warner. Yeah. Um, is doing one on the Jacobites, Bonnie Prince Charlie, I think. Okay, I that didn't... one's coming out later on in the in the year. But yeah, Rizzio is great because it it's it, it's a it's a very short book for for one. So like you can you you can read it in an afternoon and and love it in an afternoon. Um, and because it, it just takes place over over the weekend where Rizzio is murdered, and a really I mean the and and the thing is because of 
because if you don't know the story of Rizzio, he was killed by a whole cabal of noblemen who wanted to get rid of him because at the time the um, uh, Mary Queen of Scots was trying to get through in Parliament um, uh, a, a law that would mean that a lot of these noblemen would lose a lot of their land and power. And so they, so they, and so instead of, you know, killing the queen, which <laughs> like outright would, 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 would bring out all its problems, they thought they would kill Rizzio in a horrific manner as possible to, um, and the shock would be so bad it would make Mary Queen of Scots miscarry because she was heavily pregnant at the time. And then that would mean that Darnley could take his place on the throne. And because it was a, and because they didn't want a single person to be uh, culpable for the crime, they all took their turns to stab mm -hmm. him, and it's that it's just horrific. But the but the great thing about this book that I really really loved is that even though it was set in what the sixteenth century, yeah, sixteenth century, um, it was written with a complete twenty first century narrative voice. Yeah, and uh and it was and it, and, it, and the judgment in it as well was really good. I don't oh. normally like like judge like too judgmental a tone, but I really appreciated it in this book from from Denise Menia. Um, I thought I thought it was it just added to the uh, to to the whole sort of wider theme of the piece, which is about power and and how it's wielded, and you know the notion that. that that, that men with power are somehow noble just because they've got power themselves when they clearly aren't. And I just love the way that she just wags her finger and, and just kind of <laughs> just sort of shows the bullshit of that. <laughs> it also shows you what can be done in a novella because as you say, it's a short book, but wow, it packs a punch. I mean, it really kind of slaps yeah. around the dish as we used to say. Um, <laughs> I, and you know the scene. I mean, what a what a, a bounder. That's I'm putting it lightly. I'm darn <laughs> you know, There's scenes where he's 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 kind of trying to grab the kid inside Mary, and oh. she it's on the other. I'm not, it's, it's okay. It's on the other side. I mean, and also again another Edinburgh uh, novel. Oh, that's true. Of course, yeah. <laughs> there's a scene where I won't give it away, but where someone goes through. I think it's the grass market to do ill. Which is a oh god yeah that scene is was horrendous yeah yeah it's another yeah. example of how getting the place right really adds power to the story being told um, yeah. which uh, is something uh, that a, a few of the books have mentioned yeah so I really can't wait to see what Jenny and Alan do with their with their books as well I mean they've got they've got quite a first one to to live up to <laughs> absolutely absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to just go through a few um, of my favourite crime books of the year because I did read quite a lot of them. One, the latest from Charles E. McGarry. I love oh, the books. And uh, Charles, uh, Charles was on the, the podcast as well if you want to hear him talking more about it. But I just love the Liam Moran books. Again, that whole thing about someone writing just for you, the whole thing about the way he, <laughs> he eats and the cars, and I adore it. Another... Um, Fellow that we both know, Douglas Skelton, a rattler boy. Yeah, that 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 um, series is going from strength to strength. It's it's really good to see. And it's real kind of Highland noir, isn't it? It's set up yeah. in and around Inverness. 
and it's the um, oh Rebecca Connolly, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the main character in it. And yeah, they're absolutely rattling along. And I think the next one is announced as well. I think there's a yeah, I think they they um, they announced it maybe a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember that my short term memory is really, really bad at the moment, so I can't even remember the name of it. <laughs> Talking of Highland Noir, Alan Gillespie published The Mash House, um, yes. which is an incredible uh, piece of Highland Noir set up uh, in an again kind of Fort William uh, way, and he really captures that place mm -hmm. where the modern, uh, mm -hmm. the mo mm -hmm where the modern world kind of uh, meets the old old Scotland, the Highlands of Scotland, you know, it's, it very much does that. Someone else uh, who re people might know is Tom Gillespie, but TJ Reid. Ah. And he's, he's hurling them out. It's the DCI bone. Yeah, is he not like already on his third one? <laughs> the third one's due early next year. Uh, this is just That's the first one. Dark is the Grave, but um, a really fast, interesting um, crime thriller. If you like your crime fiction, um, then a Dark is the Grave by T.G. Reid is one to go for. And there was the latest Doug Johnson as well. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And, 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 and also, like, again, harken back to the historical. <laughs> Um, one of the ones that I read this year was debut, and it won the debut um, uh, McIlvany Bloody Scotland, um, which was Robbie Morrison's Edge of the Grave, okay. which is which has which has been touted as Peaky Blinders set in Glasgow, and that that's that's pretty that's a pretty good summary. Actually, <laughs> it's, it's it's Glasgow set in the thirties. So and and again, it really it really rams home about the inheritance of violence that that came home with the men that went and fought in the first world war and the repercussions are still felt by the society that they live in in the 1930s just before we're ramping up to another world war and it, that's that's a really that's a, that's a really good book and a really good um like again it's like why hasn't anybody done this before 1930s glasgow that sounds brilliant <laughs> It's just when somebody hits upon like a simple idea and really runs with it and um, so I'm really excited to see how that series pans out too. I, I think there'll be a new one, well maybe not next year, I don't know, um, but yeah I'm, I'm really interested to see where that series goes. It's interesting that crime series, people seem to commit to them quite early yeah. on. They, well we don't just want the first book and see how it does, they'll say yeah we're going to give you three, uh, you know, books down the line. And that seems to happen quite a bit. Like, for instance, Doug Johnson's Skelf books. I think it was always going to be more than one book, you know? Yeah, I thought it was just going to be a trilogy. So I'm really pleased that um, a fourth one's in, in the making. <laughs> Great books. Fantastic. <laughs> and finally, I just wanted to talk about, because we're going to talk about big hitters returning. And they're a oh, right, okay. than William McIlvany himself. The, yes, he was down. He was down as my, as as or they because there was both of them um, were down as my big guns coming coming to us. Yeah, no, I've not I've not actually read the book yet. Um, it's oh. terrible because my lockdown brain has meant that I've not read as much as I normally do. 
So I'm mightily impressed with how many books that you've managed to read this well, my year. My brain meant I had to escape into reading lots of books. That's ah. <laughs> but uh, it's a laid law book, um, just to give you a bit of background on it. Um, William McElvaney's uh, widow contacted Ian Rankin to say, we've got this manuscript, would you like to go and finish it? And it's just great. It's great to read laid law again. It's Glasgow in the 70s, it is 70s, yeah, and uh, it absolutely captures it beautifully. It's, uh, it's actually a really good kind of partner to Alan Park's uh, books. Ah, well, yeah. Similar way, um, but the dark remains. And yes, the return of not one, but two Scotland um, heavyweights. Yeah, I know. And I remember on the Damien Barr show that Ian Rankin actually said that he had asked Alan Parks a lot of, Glasgow 70s questions because he knew oh. of Alan Park's writing his series. That's interesting. <laughs> See, the collegiate loveliness of Scottish books. Comes again, <laughs> absolutely. So we're going to talk about the return of some big Scotland hitters, as you say, because this year did see some uh, great books by people that some of whom we hadn't seen for a while, um, including, I'm going to start with Lazy Susan and the return of Alan Bissett. Uh, yeah. A novella in a, written in a really interesting way. It's like one of those um, uh, Dungeons and Dragon books. You you you, got, you could choose the way that the that the story unfolded, which was really interesting. But just great to have Alan back as a as a writer again, and and, and you yeah. know, um, making us laugh and wince and all the things that he does very well. Yeah, he manages the way he can make you laugh and say something really quite devastating yeah. <laughs> like not long afterwards is, is a oh it's a skill <laughs> still, and we also had him on the podcast as well it was great to catch up with him and have a chat um so I, know, I hope this means we're going to get more pros because I mean, yeah, I, I would like, we would like more pros, Alan. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> if you're uh, listening to this, I hope you are. Yes, we could do some more pros. <laughs> I'm talking about more pros, none more so than David Keenan's Monument Maker. I mean, what One a star. that is. Um, I, 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 where to start? We could probably have done a podcast all on its own about Monument Maker. <laughs> I think this is the running theme of this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we need to do more podcasts. That's, that's exactly right. But um, I mean, as people can see who are watching the video version, if you're not, if you're listening, it's a huge book. It's 800 odd words, I think. Uh, and uh, it's 800 pages, you mean? <laughs> oh, 800 pages, yes. A squillion million words. words. <laughs> 800 pages uh, and every one just takes you... He does that David Keenan thing of surprising you and taking you, literally taking you places you, you wouldn't expect. Um, oh, just one of the, the publications of the year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's almost a sort of, it's, it's like a strange, weird psychic experience reading a, a David Keenan book. <laughs> like it really inf infects your consciousness in a, in a way that, other books don't and that's not a denigration on the other books it's just that's the way he writes it's and, uh, head like fury yeah absolutely yeah I, I don't know how he does it <laughs> like it is like because because I, I do have quite vivid dreams and I've got a whole world 
like in my dreams like like I have a it, it repeats like and uh and when I'm dreaming I can I know where the streets are and all that kind of stuff and I always wake up and I'm always like I wish I wish that I could just transmit that directly onto a bit of paper or whatever I think he knows how to do that <laughs> to, to um get down on paper not even things that he's thinking you know things that are yeah. hanging about in the back there it's uh, it's it's an it's reading a david keenan book we've, we've talked about him before uh, in previous podcasts it's kind of like nothing else you know i don't no. know many writers that that kind of make such an impression you're right it sticks with you i mean it still sticks with there's scenes in this that still stick with me and probably <laughs> won't ever you know disappear but in a very very good way i'm yeah. to see what he does next after monument maker i know you can't because you kind of feel like surely he got down everything that's in his head <laughs> with this book but it, no no I'm not sure I could live with with having all those voices in my head <laughs> from a publishing point of view it's interesting because you know this came out on White Rabbit as we said mm. not many publishers would put out a book this size would they yeah <laughs> that's the answer uh, so, you know, kudos, kudos to Rabbit for, for doing that and supporting David and all the other writers that we've kind of spoken about, including, yeah, I mean, yeah, 434, the Alan Warner novel, which I thought was a real. Uh, oh, I found reading both had that when I was reading Monument Maker, I kept going back to when I read Kitchenly 434 as well. There was there was something about those two books that, that were talking to each other. I don't know. I don't know if I can fully um, explain that, but I, I felt like I was in a similar space when I was reading them. Just, um, I loved Kitchenly 434 as well. I, I, <laughs> it was one of those books, I, I guess it's the same space because both of them are like, they both tackle like humanity if you want to be grand about it, but in very different ways, you know, like, David Keenan takes you here, there, and everywhere, like across the world, across time, across space, across yeah. universes. <laughs> and and Alan Warner takes you to this this very like one space, this country yeah. house in the in the in the in the south of England. It is. It's is yeah, it Cotswolds? Yeah. It's something like that, isn't it? It's like it the is, like yeah. the the fancy rock star play Henley, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> We're all the rock star place, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they they felt very similar to me in that um, they they were asking big humanity questions in a way that you weren't. Um, it wasn't it wasn't clear that they were asking big humanity questions, if you know what I mean, yep. or just portraying humanity in such a, a highfalutin and uh, just really lowbrow way at the same time. And, and and just sort of the, the 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 clash between the ideal that we all want to be and the reality of who we really are and 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 that makes you that makes you just makes your heart go out to them because they just they just both of them blended that comic tragedy thing yeah, so. so so well I think and um, I don't think I'll ever think of sorry. what was that I was going to no, say I was, in Kitchenly four three four in particular. The, the, the kind of comedy and tragedy are never 
too far away from each other, you know, absolutely. You you really feel for the central character and then other times you think, oh my goodness, you know, it, it's, you know. But like, I don't think I'll ever think of a slotted spoon in the same way again. <laughs> I think of, of all the literary images that have stayed in my head from this year, him running about with that slotted spoon. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that is a good one. Although there's plenty of images in Monument Maker that have uh, similarly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, so you other... just have to read, if you've not read the book, you have to read it now just to yeah. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Absolutely right. So what other heavyweights were you thinking of um, who you wanted to mention? Um, well, I've mentioned, well, we've mentioned Rankin and Michael we've mentioned Jackie Kay, we've mentioned James Robertson, and we briefly mentioned Andrew Gregg as well, who yeah. actually is kind of a heavyweight, but he's like a quiet heavyweight. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I don't think as much fuss has been made about Rose Nicholson as there should have should have been. Andrew's one of the, the best writers there is, but I do think that um, it's a, the quiet man of Scottish writing. But yeah, he really is. Uh, and and it's, I've never I've never read a Dud book by him like. When you when you as soon as you start reading it, it's like it's like that feeling of, oh, I'm home, or I'm just oh, nothing to fear, nothing to fear here. I'm getting taken away by a master storyteller and somebody that knows how to use language really well as well. Not in not in and not in a like really fancy flowery way, but in just in a really direct way that 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 makes you think but makes you feel at the same time. I I just think he's. I don't understand why he's not. I wish. I think he should. I think he is a heavyweight, but yeah, yeah I think yeah. But um, I, I, as I say, I don't think enough people paid a, as much attention to Rose Nicholson as they should have. I hope. I hope the readers have. Maybe it's, it was just um, I didn't see it getting spoken about as much in the press or whatever. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying Rose Nicholson. That's the book that I'm reading at the moment. And a, a very similarly to Monument Maker, <laughs> it's making me think about about the clash between the abstract and the theoretical, and the ideas and the world of ideas and the world of creation against um, re lived experience yeah. and the clash of those worlds um, when when on occasion and it does happen when when uh, the abstract and the and the um uh, theoretical can sometimes get taken a little bit too much more seriously than lived experience does right um like is is art really worth it if you have to hurt somebody to make it is our ideas so grand if somebody is in pain or you put restrictions on somebody's living in order for them to be true both of them definitely both of those books definitely wrestle with those with those ideas and Rose Nicholson is a brilliant character and I'm already brokenhearted for her because I know it's not going to end well. <laughs> right, there are some writers who you turn to for comfort and I think Andrew Gregg is, is, is one of those and I have, to, I have to say I think James Robertson is as well and uh, News of the Dead, which we have mentioned before, is uh, another um, fantastic book, historical. Yeah, that's on my pile. <laughs> so yeah, like sort of June to September were my were my was my peak reading period. 
Whereas the early the early of the years and now we're come to the late later half of the year, I'm just just a bit exhausted. <laughs> so I hope to get my reading module back in the Christmas holidays when I can rest a little bit. Um, yeah, so I've not read news from the dead yet, but that's on my pile. <laughs> I, I think you will. I think you will love it. Um, some other a. I'm going to call them literary heavyweights that, that um, get re released or published this year. You've already mentioned Denise Mina and uh, Rizzio, so we don't really need to talk about that except to say how great it is. But the return of Graham McCrae Burnett and Case Study. Yes! You know, yes. Um, one of the best books of the year, absolutely. And it was great. Totally. Them back. Uh, and it was something that you could tell it was written by the same person that did his bloody project, but it was very, very different as well. Yeah. So little, you know, he puts himself in the book again. He keeps saying he's not playing with uh, readers, but I won't let him away with that. There seems to And you know, do you know, because I remember what, watching your podcast um, when you were interviewing him and yeah. you brought up the blank page. Yeah. And, and, and I know that other reviewers and stuff have brought up the blank page. And and Graham was trying to say no, it's not it's not a formal thing about talking about you know drawing attention to fiction or or or, or the fictional um, format or whatever. I think that that blank page is as much about um, giving away her character more than about a comment on the the, the form of fiction. Yeah. Because like that because. She's a character that withholds mm -hmm. and and um, uh, deceives, and I think that that blank page is a version of that. So I think it's a I, th I think it's a it's, that's part of her character portrayal. That blank page. I think that's what I've decided. If you were talking to Graham, <laughs> he would just say, "That's absolutely fine. Once it's written, you to do it." That's what he would say, and then rightly so. You know, death of the <laughs> author and all that stuff that he's a uh, kind of. So into, but um, yeah, it's a wonderful book uh, set in the world of um, psychotherapy. Um, but yeah, so much more. The characters are astonishing, as you oh, mentioned there. Yeah. Amazing creation. And, and he always manages to create these incredible characters. Yeah, and it's, it's like, I still consider him a new author for some reason, which is weird because, you know, that, that this is his fourth book. Yeah. Just that the, as soon as I started it, and I have to say, I felt the same with his bloody project, even though that was just the second book at the time. But the the confidence in the way he writes astounds me. But because you know, when some when you can when you read a writer who's building up their career, you can see you cannot sometimes you can see in their first and second books them finding their way. Yeah. Whereas with David, with David, with Graham McRae Burnett, um his his authority of narrative voice and everything it's just it's right there already and I, I'm really impressed by that <laughs> again it was like you know when I was reading the Andrew Gregg book and I was, I was just sort of sat back and I was like I don't have to worry here I don't have to you know because sometimes you do get that feeling of self-consciousness from 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 writing don't get that at all in in, in Graham's work and it's just I, I really really enjoyed reading it it's that's definitely up there in my top three of of the books of the year no absolutely and very briefly um we might not consider them heavyweights maybe they are to be heavyweights i think they're just three of the finest writers around 
Helen McClory's Bitter Hall, which uh, actually was her only, only her second novel, is that right? Second novel, yeah. The rest oh, are uh, short story collections and the, the Goldblum. Goldblum, but um, wonderful, wonderful uh, novel. Uh, again, set in Edinburgh. Again, um, I, I think we'll talk about Lock and Booth in a moment, but there's a supernatural aspect to it. It kind of reimagines Edinburgh in a kind of new way as well. Um, Donald yeah, Murray. that's actually next on my pile after Andrew Gregg, because I've, as I say, like March to May in particular, I didn't do much reading at all. So anything that was released in March to May, I'm still getting rims to. <laughs> See, Nick, I'm not expecting you to have read all the books that we talk about. I hope you weren't oh, under... But I'm expecting me to read all these books. <laughs> <and> <laughs> uh, Donald S. Murray in A Veil of Mist. Great to have another book from, from Donald. Should say as well that this and Case Study are published by Saraband, who had yeah. an astonishing uh, year publishing some great stuff, including... Yeah. Ewan Morrison's How to Survive Everything. Yes, yes. Sarband have had a brilliant year. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And uh, this was a kind of, this. I think this is probably the best pandemic novel I've read. Uh, <laughs> classic Ewan, uh, you know, takes things to extreme at times, but really it's about family. Again, about family, one of the big themes of the year. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great novel. And it's one, I think, which has kind of been overlooked when people are talking about best books year, but um, you and Morris survived yeah. everything very, very good. It did get shortlisted for the McIlvany, though, right. or longlisted. Did it get shortlisted? I can't remember. Oh, no, it a... got longlisted, yeah. So, oh, I wouldn't have thought that would have fitted in with the McIlvany, but there you go. Well, the McIlvany is, is, like, they don't go for the usual police procedurals when yeah. they... It's, it's normally crime with a twist that usually wins the, the McIlvany. That's yeah. kind of that's a twist that I never really thought of it as crime, but there you go. Um, <laughs> well, kidnap, is there not a kidnapping? Well, he kidnaps no, well, no, his kids, no, does no, he know? Crimes are committed. <laughs> definitely, definitely crimes are committed. Um, I thought we could briefly look at the Fiction Books of the Year and the Saltire Awards because it was such an interesting... Um, so the Saltire, oh. people who don't know, are the Scottish kind of book awards, aren't they? The big, among the big Scottish awards. And um, they had just happened recently, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think it was, uh, yeah. The Fiction Books of the Year, I thought, was an incredibly strong uh, uh, lineup. You had Scabby Queen, Kirsten Innes, which we spoke about last year. Um, Douglas Stewart, Shaggy Bain, which we spoke about a minute ago. Uh, David Ross's, there's own only one Danny Garvey and I was so pleased that David's book was uh, in there because it's I think it's his best novel yet I, keep, I said this to him he seems to get better and better with every book um, that's good that's how it's supposed to be yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah set in the world of junior Ayrshire football um, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I definitely deserve to be among the uh, award oh absolutely but that that shortlist, um, that just that's the thing with that shortlist is that so many other books could have been on it, and yet at the same time there wasn't a book on it that didn't deserve to be on it. If you know yeah. what I mean. <laughs> you should say that the winner um, was Eli Percy's Duck Feet, which was spoken about, which was also the Scottish Book of the Year overall, which is astonishing, oh. fantastic. Yeah. 
you're watching this, Eli, well done. I mean, that's uh, incredible. Um, and then there was also Jenny Fagan's Luckin' Booth. Yeah. And, oh, and, you've got that, see. I've well, got I've got one. both. I have to say, I've read, I very rarely read a book twice. I've read this three times in the last year. I've read the hard book. Oh, really? Paperback. I absolutely love it. We were going to said that we we're going to talk about our books of the year. That's my Scottish book of the year, Jenny Fagan's Luckin' Booth, because it does... Um, you know, you'll say it's obviously an Edinburgh novel. I think already it's a great Edinburgh novel and it really reimagines the city as this supernatural, magic, um, a dark, twisted place. And I love the fact that you can follow a lot of the, the places she takes you. You know, you can go from the water at Leaf and go up and over the bridges and up the high street and to Luckenbooth. And uh, and then you've got this whole thing of the building itself uh, being a, a character in its own right and how the stories are told, not just over the 10 stories or the nine stories, but over the, the 10 years, uh, starting in 1910s, that kind of thing and going through. Um, and each story is grabs you in its own right, but they're all, inter they're all twisted into each other um, yeah, it's a phenomenal book. I absolutely love it. And I would I'd probably yeah. read it because it gives you something. Yeah. And fu funnily enough, you know how I'm, I'm um, the, uh, the Luckin Booth was also another book that I kept harking back to when I was reading Monument Maker as well. That's what a lot of Monument Maker did do that. It just sort of pinged me off into other fictional worlds, and Luckin Booth was one of them as well. I really love Luckin Booth. Um, it is probably probably my favourite book of the year because it's so it breaks so many rules and and it does it fearlessly and unselfconsciously. I think this is one of the things that I really love about Jenny Fagan and um, David Keenan's writing is that is that there's a it, it's 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 a, it's a fearlessness in their writing. It's totally unselfconscious which yeah. I really, really like, which brings an energy that you don't get a lot of in, in fiction because sometimes you can read. I mean, I don't doubt that both David and Jenny crafted this book like with, in, in, in rewrites and all that kind of stuff. Maybe not David. He, doesn't, he says he doesn't believe in rewrites. <laughs> one of those 800 pages. <laughs> One and the other one isn't, but yeah, I know what you mean. But I think what you're saying is the fearlessness is, is a great way of putting it. Absolutely is. And in that way, Jenny has created uh, um, a book for the ages. I mean, I, you, it's, it's a book I can see being looked at and studied and discussed, you know, as long as people like me and you are doing this kind of thing. Because, I mean, as I said at the beginning, it's a historical novel, but it doesn't, because, because I read this at the start of the year before I'd noticed all these other historical novels. So this was kind of like the first one that I read this year. And uh, I was just like, this book is a historical novel and it's doing nothing <laughs> like what you expect from a historical novel. And I love it. I don't give a shit if there's anachronisms or it's maybe some of the, of the, the research might be wrong or whatever. That's not the point. That the point isn't exactitude. The point isn't. Uh, it's a novel. The, the, <laughs> yeah. It's a difference. It's the difference between authenticity and verisimilitude. Yeah. 
but um, I think sometimes authenticity is fetishized a little bit too much for verisimilitude, yeah. which I think is more important in fiction. Yeah. Um, and um, I I mean, that's not to say I don't like authenticity. I don't. I'm not saying that at all. But it's not the it's not the ingredient that's paramount in the same way as the act of making things seem as they are, and and she does that so well in this book, and and it's it's about the feeling that she that she generates and and like all the exclamation marks even I love it like just just like it's just it's just full of energy and um, yeah I I just love that kind of writing where she's just like you know, that breaks the rules. Yeah. And I, I, I like absolutely. it. Um, vibrant, I mean, it absolutely sings off the page. And, you know, if you read it and go away and think, well, did Hugh McDermott actually attend a party? And so, then, something's <laughs> you know, uh, wrong here. And, and, you know, if just, it's one of these books that just let it take over you. I suppose what you were yes. saying. Monument maker as well. Let it take over you and let it take you where it wants. Because um, at times that might be frightening, at times that might be odd, but wow, what a journey it is! And it is literally a journey. And I just love the way it, it reimagines Edinburgh. I think it does. It, it, it's yeah, as I say, it's not just it's a great Scottish book, but it's particularly a great Edinburgh book, which is uh, and it's funny because you know. The, the the journey that um, the devil's daughter makes from Leith up until to the Royal Mile, <laughs> in a weird way, not a lot has changed in Edinburgh. You know, those Leith tenements will, will, have been up there already. You know, the high street's not changed. No. The only bit that has changed is the sort of St James's Centre Leith Street bit. But like the rest, the, like it, that's the thing when you write about contemporary Edinburgh is that because... Um, the histo historical Edinburgh is so present, even yeah. in contemporary Edinburgh. Um, that, that I just find that amazing. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a city where, yeah, the, the the past almost dominates the whole the whole thing. I, I'm I'm not going to find it to read it, but there is a, in the in the kind of final sections in the um, level nine, if you like, in the uh, coming up to the uh, the millennium. There's a kind of description of Edinburgh that's utterly fantastic. You know, it's just great the way it describes it and all its kind of glory and, and darkness and, and, and all of those things. Yeah, I just, and I also, I like books that don't just portray Edinburgh as either too seedy for, for, for un, like, you know, and like just Morningside shyness. <laughs> Like Edinburgh begins and ends at Morningside. I mean, honestly. <laughs> that sounds almost like a personal thing. But <laughs> it is. <laughs> I, I feel no shame in ranting away. All the books that we've spoken about, that both of us, our favourite book of the year is the same one. Uh, yeah. By Jenny Fagan. Fantastic. So we're nearly, we're coming to the end. I think we've managed to keep it under two hours this year, uh, Vicky, which is not bad going for us. Um, is, before we talk about what's coming in 2022, is, I've got this written down as any other business. Is there anything that you want to discuss that we haven't discussed that you feel should be talked about? Oh, what, one last thing about heavy hitters is Ali Smith. Yeah, and the completion, the completion of the, the, what do you call a trilogy oh, that's four? 
Quadrology, quadrology. Quadrology, there you go. <laughs> yes, yes, we should mention summer. But well, I mean, Ali's got a book coming out next year as well. Yes. Is it to, is it in this, in because it looks the same. I've seen the cover. It follows the same cover design. I don't know if it's a companion piece to, it's called companion. I know. I guess it's probably, so, I'm guessing, I've no idea. It may be a companion piece to the, the seasons books, which is right. usually summer finished this year, doesn't it? Right, yeah, it, it was completed this year and I completed, <laughs> completed them this year as well. And um, it's so weird that because so much else happened this year with, if, within Scottish books is that a big thing like the finishing of Ali Smith's yeah. massive project kind yeah. of flew a little under the radar a little bit just because there's just so many other things going on. <laughs> well, absolutely. But both spring and summer, I mean, out of all the, the trilogy, the, not the trilogy, the quadrology, of all of them, I I'm think sure spring was my... I think it is, but... <laughs> Quadrology, quadrology. <laughs> Quadrilupi. <laughs> I think spring was my favourite one, but I think it ended really well on summer as well. I just think there's nobody out there that um, has as much f fictional empathy with, with characters as, as she does. Oh, yeah. Even characters that you think that writers might be guilty of being judgmental about, like your your middle brow folk, she like because there's a mum character in the summer in this in the summer book that could under uh, under other writers they could easily have made her a real like a sort of cardboard cutout easy to point and laugh at character and Ali Smith doesn't do that and I I, la I absolutely love her for for that because when it's when she first comes in, my, my I was kind of like, oh, but then, but I should have trusted Ali Smith. Of course, she wouldn't. She wouldn't make a character a caricature. <laughs> no, no, absolutely right. Um, and it's worth saying actually because uh, that was something I'd uh, forgotten about. Finished uh, this year. Any other? Any well, other? if you've not if you've not read the the four books, then do it. <laughs> absolutely. For those who don't know, it's our four um, seasons uh, quadrilogy. There you go. Quadrilogy. That's what we're going to go with. <laughs> so, um, yeah, any, any, any other, other business? That's it. I think I'm 2021 out. Excellent. Well, I just want to make a mention for some of the stuff that's happening on social media and Instagram in particular, because there's, for Scottish books, there's an incredible kind of community on Instagram that is celebrating and sharing and all the things we talked about earlier, Scottish books, particularly in Scotland Daily, which is a fantastic um, Instagram um, place to find out so much about Scottish books. I'd say, suggests they post something daily about various books about things that are coming up they've just done their kind of awards of the year um yeah. but there's also things like bookshelves of glasgow which uh took a picture of my lovely bookshelves but that's <laughs> it's just, there's lots of celebrations of books i'm trying to think of other people scotties and books and there's loads loads more if you look for yeah. hashtag scottish books on instagram you'll find loads of people and it's such a lovely celebration of scottish writing I know, I must admit, like, even I, I look at Scotland Daily to see if there's anything that I've missed. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I don't like it when I miss things. 
That's the place to go then, folk. Right? And you want to hear what we talk about next year first, go to Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about then what is uh, coming up in 2022 briefly before we have to say cheerio. Do you have some things that you're really looking forward to? Well, I mean, the, the thing is, 2022 is going to be the year of Scotland stories. You know, yeah. that's that, that's the, the theme that, you know, how Visit Scotland does themed years. Yeah. 2022 is the, is, the, is the year of Scotland stories. So if there's a year where celebrating Scottish words <laughs> and creativity is uh, paramount, then this is the year to do it. And there, I'm already, I've already... I mean, behind me, I'm not going to turn my computer around because then you'll see how messy my living room is. <laughs> but um, I've already got a pile of 2022 books. Uh, start. It's getting quite hefty already. So there's Louise Welsh, The yeah. Return of Rilke. Cannot wait for that. <laughs> and that's one of the ones I was going to talk about. The Second Cut is what it's called, I think. Yeah, and I mean, that's happening soon. That, that That's definitely going to be my Christmas holiday reading. Um, uh, I mean, Ali Smith that you've just talked about. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to um, Hear No Evil, which is the debut novel by Sarah Smith, which is, it's Glasgow, it's historical Glasgow novel. Um, is it John Smith? In... No, 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 no. Um, uh, uh, well, I'll, I'll lend you it. <laughs> I, I could get it, I could get it. When you said you know, the way that you said that, I thought it was Sarah Smith that we all should know, that was why I... Oh, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, I know her. I follow her on Twitter, and we chat sometimes at like um, book events and things. <laughs> um, what else am I looking forward to? I'm, as I say, I'm looking forward to Hex and uh, Jenny Fagan's one, and I'm looking forward to Alan Warner's one. I can't remember what the title is for that one. Um, I'm looking forward to a book called "I Am Not Your Eve" by. Um, oh God! See, I need my eyes tested. I can't read my writing anymore. <laughs> Devika Panambulam. Right. And it's um, uh, she's an Edinburgh author, and it's published by Blue Moose, which is a brilliant pub, um, indie publisher based down south. And it's a book about um, Paul Gauguin's wife. Right. So uh, um, and and there and, and it's told from her perspective. So uh, that that's going to be quite a good read. Um, the Voids by Ryan O'Connor is right. another debut that I'm looking forward to. Uh, what? Oh, there's going to be a new. Um, Miss Blaine's prefect oh, uh, mystery oh, coming out, and it's and it's uh, it's called I think it's called the weird Miss Blaine's prefect and the three weird sisters or the weird three sisters can't remember, but it's set in Macbeth times. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I'm looking forward to that. Amy Littrot's got a new book coming out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, uh huh. Very much looking forward to. It. I think you've maybe mentioned. Um, most of the ones I was going to make. Oh, Karen Campbell's got a new one coming out called Paper Cup. Oh, yes, Paper Cup, yeah. Uh -huh. Really looking forward to that. Love Karen's writing. And also, now, did we mention this, or was this before we started recording? Michael Peterson's book. Oh, was yeah, no, it was before we started friends. recording. Boyfriends, yeah. His latest collection. Uh, uh, yeah. And Fighting Rabbit. Um, yeah. I cannot wait to read. Yeah, I was at Noiriki last night and um, he did a couple of poems from it. And if they're anything to go by, woof, it's going to be good. <laughs> well, Vicky, I think we've managed to reach the end of our chat, but thanks again for taking the time to do it. It's always a pleasure. It is. 
with my trusty Prosecco <laughs> by my side. It's got us through <laughs> to the end. And we'll be back soon with, uh, I think, the best films of 2021. So we'll see you then. Yeah.